morning's scripture reading will be from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which reads, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Good morning and welcome. It's been a good day already. We're so thankful to be here and to encourage one another to love and good works and to praise our God. Tuning the heart and the voice is not your typical gospel meeting tile, but we're, we've already introduced that this morning in our class, that everyone has a heart an instrument that God has given us whereby that we may worship him, exalt him, and encourage one another. And connected with that heart is a way of expressing that with our voices. And knowing how to do that better will certainly help us. It will help our heart do its job as well. This morning we're focusing on why. Why do we worship? Why is there song worship? What does it mean to worship? And so our spiritual service of worship as we have read this morning. As we look at the marks of true worship, We'll be looking at Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 8. That will be our text this morning, if you want to turn there, read along, or scroll there, follow along. As we look at the letter to the Romans, it's regarding the gospel. It's the power of God, both to save the Jew and the Gentile. And in chapters 1 through 3, the problem of sin is given to us. We know that all have sinned. In chapters 6 through 11, then we find the principle of salvation and obedient faith. It's explained to us. But when we get to chapters 12 through 16, we find some practical outworkings of faith and the righteousness that is taught. And so we have our beginning scripture that was read in your hearing. Let's look at it again. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul describes true devotion to God as the worship which is rendered by the reason or soul. 
It's spiritual. This reasonable or spiritual service of the Christian expresses the commitment and the devotion that's accepted by God. So in this context, Paul is going to state several marks or characteristics of such devotion and worship. We'll be looking at these four points. Self-sacrifice, self-alteration, self-examination, and self-involvement. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask your blessing now upon your word that it may speak to us, that we may see wondrous things from it. Open our eyes. Father, bless us. We praise you and honor you through Jesus. In his name, amen. Self-sacrifice. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. You see, the Christian sacrifice is a living sacrifice. In Hebrews 13, at verse 15, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, fruit of the lips that give thanks to him. And do not neglect doing and sharing, or doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. It's a living sacrifice. It's also a holy sacrifice. 1 Peter 1 in verse 14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Not only is the sacrifice living, Paul says, it's acceptable, but he, or holy, but he says it's also acceptable, an acceptable sacrifice. Again, Hebrews 13 at verse 20, Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom being the glory forever and ever. Amen. The sacrifice involves a complete surrender of ourselves. We have examples of that. Remember the Macedonians. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 3, we find, For I testify that according to their ability, and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord begging us with much urging for the favor of the participation and the support of the saints. And this, not as we'd expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. They gave themselves. They gave beyond their ability. What an example. Then there's the example of the Thessalonians, we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 at verse 9, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. Yes, they completely turned, repented, 
and they sought God. And of course, there's the example of the Apostle Paul himself at 1 Corinthians 12 at 14. For I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for the children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. Wouldn't we love to have the Apostle Paul as a brother in Christ here with that attitude? We appreciate brethren who are like that. You see, self is the altar upon which every acceptable sacrifice is made to God. Remember the Old Testament? They used to build those altars all the time. Even the patriarchs did. Wherever they went, they would build an altar. What's the real altar? We are. We are. Oliver Wendell Holmes said this, Grant us thy truth to make us free, and kindling hearts that burn for thee, till all thy living altars claim one holy light, one heavenly flame. Well, let's teach and admonish one another about that self-sacrifice. When my love for man grows weak, when for stronger faith I seek, hill of Calvary I go to thy seeds of fear and woe. There behold his agony, Suffered of a bitter tree. See his anguish, see his faith. Love triumphant still in death. Then to life I turn again. Learning all the worth of pain, learning all the might that lies in a full self-sacrifice. Self-alteration but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Negatively, Paul says we're not to be conformed to this world. John describes that in 1 John 2 at verse 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides, lives forever. 
Conformity to the world comes from loving it more than God. Until one loves God more than anything else, they will always be conforming to the world. Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul says, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. We desire what we love, and so how we live reveals where our affections lie. Positively, Paul tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Ephesians 4, verse, er, 4, verse 23, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We're talking about a spiritual metamorphosis. And this is essential to the newness of life. And this is possible through faith and the working of God. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Verse 20, Thou to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's the power that moves us? What's the power that moves us spiritually? It's a relationship that we have with God and the transforming effect of faith. You see, this is a working relationship. It's a dual effort to make us in the likeness of God. We can thank God for this very fact. As Paul tells the Philippians in chapter 2 at 12, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why would we fear and tremble? Why would this be so serious? Why would we take it so to heart? Why is it possible? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's pretty powerful. When we yield and work with respect and honor for God, it's amazing what will happen. You see, the Christian is different. He is never what he aspires to be, but he is never what he used to. Let's pray to God to be transformed and to be like Him. Do be more holy.
more strivings within, more patience and suffering, more sorrow for sin, more faith in my Savior, more sense of his care, more joy in his service, more purpose in prayer, more purity give me, more strength to overcome, more freedoms from earth stains, more longings for home, more fit for the kingdom, more useful I'd be, more blessed and holy, more Savior like Thee. Self-examination. In verse 3 of our text, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Proper evaluation of ourselves is essential to our growth. As we read in 2 Corinthians 13 at verse 5, Paul says to these Christians, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith, that body of teaching. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. Proper evaluation must be based on a valid measurement. It won't do any good if we don't measure ourselves properly. Again, from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. Verse 18. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom God the Lord, the Lord commends. When we compare ourselves with ourselves, we always come out on top, don't we? It's not a valid evaluation. Over-evaluation is harmful. Not to think more highly of himself, and under-evaluation is harmful than he ought to think. There's a proper way to regard and think about oneself. We're to examine ourselves by the right standard, but so think as to have sound judgment. Sound judgment. We want that. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Are we following the truth? If not, let's make a correction. 
It's not a matter of perfection, it's a matter of direction. Make the correction. We're to look into the mirror of God's perfect word. As James tells us in chapter 1 at verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. To look intently is to stoop down, to peer in. First, regarding God's word, we are to look carefully into it, inspect curiously. And second, we are to abide by it. It's to become a partnership a close working relationship with. So daily testing and renewing of the mind serve to encourage us and give us confidence in our relationship with God. Oh, that we would do that. Let's pray and encourage one another to do that. Do we so Lord, in thy mercy, lend ear to my plea. Turn not away, nor deny. May thy word ever dwell richly in me. Hear thou and answer my cry. Lord, I would keep soul and body for thee. No room for self or for sin shall there be. Fit for thy dwelling, for thee set apart. Savior divine, dwell in my heart. Test me and try me, O Savior divine. Let me be filled with thy love. Then from my heart shall thy glory light shine, lighting the pathway above. Lord, I would keep soul and body for thee. No room for self or for sin shall there be. Fit for thy dwelling, for thee set apart. Savior divine, dwell in my heart. Finally, self-involvement. Continue on in our text at verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, 
if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see, we all have a function in the body. And all have gifts, although they are not the same. You see, there's something for everyone to do. There's something to contribute. What a wonderful passage in Ephesians 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted together and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. That's you. That's me causes the, the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Everybody is a part and should feel a part of the body. Maybe sometimes you don't feel that way. Don't go by your feelings. God sees you as a part of his body. You are there. You're there for a purpose. There's a level of contribution by each member that is possible and necessary for this church to function and grow, no matter who you are or who you think you are. You are important. You see, you're not here by accident. First Corinthians 12 at verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body. Just as he desired, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. You see, the church is not a random collection of people since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. You've been given grace. I've been given grace. We need to share it. God has specifically selected each one to create a perfect fit. God has placed members of the body in our lives. Why? To help us change for the better. See, Paul's not talking about some idealized church with idealized people. He's talking about real people, a real church, just like this one. God has given each of us to help us grow, and we do it by speaking the truth in love. God uses different people contrasting personalities in a local work to change our hearts. You see, the church is a better place for change than any therapy group, any counselor's office, any retreat you might 
go to. We grasp the love of Christ together with all the saints. Paul's prayer, Ephesians 3 and 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up filled up room for no more filled up to all the fullness of God you see with the gifts given by God's grace and the involvement of each member, we can grow together by the renewing our minds and being transformed. Let's sing of that wonderful relationship we have in the body. Oh, so How sweet, how heavenly is the sight with those that love the Lord. In one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word. When each can feel his brother's sigh and with him bear a part. When sorrow flows from eye to eye and joy from heart to heart. When love and one delightful stream through every bosom flows. When good yet sweet and dear esteem in every action glows. Love is the golden chain that binds the happy souls above. And he said, heir of heaven who finds his bosom glow with love. Amen. Well, we've talked about self-sacrifice, a total surrender in sacrificial living and a holy life. We've talked about self-alteration, not giving into the world, but through the renewing of our minds, we continually change into Christ's image. We've talked about self-examination. God's word renews us, keeps us in the faith, assures us and allows God to work in and through us, self-involvement. This is the natural outcome of our faith, our spiritual service of worship, our contribution to the body, our living and holy sacrifice, our reasonable and spiritual worship is a way of living. 
all of life may not be worship, or every activity a specific act of worship, but a living sacrifice is a way of life. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Whatever you're doing, washing the dishes, driving down the road, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. As long as we are in our bodies, we are to present ourselves before God upon the altar of self-sacrifice. Paul put it so well in Galatians 2 at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I look at it this way. There's two ways you can approach Christian living. You can approach it like dieting or a change of lifestyle. Both require effort and determination, but it may have different outcomes and motivations. Diets are usually seemingly more temporary. Once reaching the goal, it has to be maintained or the results will be lost and will not last, and probably that's where the problem lies. Most often diets fail because they are negative in their approach as, they, as the desire for the longing for the restricted Food and lifestyle still remains. Diet, day one. I have removed all the bad food from the house. It was delicious. Changing a lifestyle is a permanent lifelong endeavor. Changing our character is the same. It involves changing the desires as well as the actions to create a new way of living. There's a continual renewing of the mind, a transformation that is needed. Actions alone will not bring about a lasting change or transformation. External activities alone can't change us because there's an internal issue involved. Good and righteous actions might change our behavior, but they can't change our hearts alone. We need a heart change. Therefore, as parents, we not only want just good children, we want godly children. There are a lot of good children. Their behavior is good, but there are few godly children for the right reason. As a church, we don't want just good members. We want godly members who've been changed from the heart, who are transformed. This means a continual renewing, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a lifestyle of repentance. Repentance is change. 
we rediscover again our love for God. And so we're not tempted to turn from him and engage in sin. The key to transformation and deeper spiritual renewal is the continual rediscovery of the gospel in our lives. Paul said this, first, or Romans rather, the first chapter, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Borrowing from the pagan world, in Greek mythology, the sirens would sing enchanting songs as they drew the sailors irresistibly toward the rocks and toward destruction. Odysseus filled his crew's ears with wax and they had him tie him to the mast. This is like the approach of heartless rule keeping. We bind ourselves with laws and disciplines in a vain attempt to resist temptation. We try to deal with sin without dealing with our heart's desires and longings. On the other hand, Orpheus played such beautiful music on his harp that his sailors ignored the seductions of the siren's call. This is the way of faith and repentance. This is the way of a loving relationship between a child and their father. You see, the grace of the gospel sings a far more glorious song than the enticements of sin if we only have the faith to hear its music. For it is the power of God for salvation. Let's encourage one another then to grow, that we would be transformed into God's loving children. Do you want to be changed and transformed? Is that the need of your heart? Then we ask you to do what the Apostle Paul did, to be buried with Christ in baptism, and God will raise you up to a new life. Romans 6.4, we were buried therefore with him. Paul includes himself, just like the Apostle Paul and those Christians. We were buried therefore with him by, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You want to walk in a new life, you obey the gospel. Be saved today and begin your spiritual service of worship. Ask for prayers to renew your spiritual service of worship. We invite you to heed the gospel call. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. I am thine, O Lord. Let's be still.